This week on Dynasty Domain, the wait is over, the NFL is back, and week one is upon us. We are going to go through and project the top 12 finishers at each position for this season, and we're going to get a little bit of start-sit action to start the season. I'm Avery Huffman. I'm here with my co-host, Nathan Schmidt. Hey, hey. Welcome to Dynasty Domain. Yeah, we know you are as amped up as we are. We are literally, we've been sitting here all night talking through the, the matchups this week, going through some start sit, setting our lineups, like the, the part where you actually like have players score and it's not the preseason. Uh, could not be more excited. I literally remember the first time we started this pod back in freaking February. All the, the way in February. Uh, it was actually, yeah, it was February. Yeah, it was going into the Super Bowl and we were in mourning because we knew we only had one football game left of the season. Yeah. And then we've made it all the way here. We've made it. We've made it. We managed to fill what? Almost 25 weeks, right? Uh, we're, this is our 28th episode. So, I mean, we filled a long time with no football, 27 weeks of off season football. We are ready for the season to start. Well, it is good. It is a good thing that we're back and it's a good thing that now you can talk about, uh, guys that break out in games and it not actually, you know, be a preseason game, so it doesn't matter. So now I'm giving the Dynasty community full permission, as if you need my permission, but even Nathan would say the same. If a player plays well this coming week, it's worth talking about because it's a real game. And now we actually get to get excited about players. Yes, we do. All right. Uh, we're going to do a trade scenario of the week here to kick us off. Nathan, I think you've got this one. It's kind of interesting. So let's, let's see what we got. Yeah. So I saw one of these trades go down in uh, one of our domain leagues this past week. It was Team A getting Chris Olave and a 2023, we'll say second. Okay. And um, Ezekiel Elliott going to Team B along with Rashad White. So Olave and a second for Rashad White and Ezekiel Elliott. Yes. Okay, um, let's start here. The best player in this trade is Chris Olave. Yes, at actually, the, at this point, yes. yes. In Dynasty, the most valuable player yes. in this in this trade is Olave. So, you know, and I think where they're going in in even Dynasty startup drafts, like Olave and Ezekiel Elliott are going close to roughly yeah yeah alave has had some pretty decent training camp and preseason hype as well so he's kind of gone up a little bit in rankings i believe on keep trade cut he's actually wide receiver 20 right now so he's gone up significantly which i think is warranted i think i think some of the i think this is a very talented rookie wide receiver class and here i'm just going to go ahead and break this one down for you so Obviously, a 23 second. You know, if Rashad White is going in the second round of 2022 drafts, one would like to think, I mean, I guess depending on where the 23 second is, but one would like to think that the 23 second, you're probably going to get a better player there. However, I don't necessarily think this is the case here because I think Rashad White is going to be stepping into Leonard Fournette's role sooner or later. He's a, he's a nice PPR back. Um, I think Tampa really likes him. It'll be interesting to see where the 23 second falls. And I think that's going to be important here because in terms of value right now, Alave and, and Elliot are almost a wash, but going forward, I think I'd give Alave the slight edge. And if that 23 second is a mid 23 second, I think I'd give that the slight edge too. So naturally, like I think talking through this, I think I like the Alave side 
for any type of team. Yes, I, I, and here's here's the interesting thing with this trade and why I really liked it, I think, for both sides, is you have two assets on both sides, or, or an asset on both sides that is going to most likely increase in value come next season. Yes, absolutely. Rashad White will probably be worth that 23 second come next season. Mm-hmm. And Alave will probably be worth a 23 first. Sure. So... Zeke is the only depreciating asset in that trade. But again, he does have contender value. Yeah, that's I think it's important to note, too, because like if I'm a contender, I think it's hard for me not to take the Ezekiel Elliott side here. Exactly. Because Ezekiel Elliott is probably going to give you top, what, 14 production still at a fairly decent price. And Rashad White is also building. He's also kind of a buy low guy. Right. Build for the future. So would you be on if it was Chris Olave and a 23 first, would you be 100% all of the time contender and rebuild taking Olave 23 first? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I think I, I, I think I, I absolutely is not, even, I don't, not even a question actually. Yeah. It's a, that's a blowout trade. So, yeah. um, because I don't think, I mean, cause think about it. Uh, Olave is the best player in the trade and the 23 first is better is, is miles better than Ezekiel Elliott and even Rashad white. So, you know, with that one, I see it. I see it both ways. I tend to lean the Lave side, but I definitely see how a contender would want to grab Ezekiel Elliott there. I just think there there are two things you need to hope. Number one, you need to hope that Tony Pollard doesn't take too much of Zeke's production for real this year. And number two, you better hope that Rashad White is the real deal and he actually steps in and does some serious stuff with the Bucks. Yep. I think a Lave is less risky, and I think a twenty-three second is less risky too. Interesting. I, I think a twenty-three second, and personally, I think Rashad White is only going to get more valuable. Probably, but the 23 seconds probably will too. And honestly, if you wanted to sell those, it's probably, you know, you can sell those. It probably has some, some more, uh, insulated value than Rashad white is going to have this season because his, his value is definitely dependent on the health of Leonard Fournette this season. And it also is dependent on his own production. Sure. Which yeah. could it which <laughs> in turn is dependent on the health of Leonard Fournette. However, it does depend on how well Fournette does. He could he, he does have an out after this season in his contract, and they could take the Rashad White route after this season, which I would almost anticipate. So Yeah. We'll see. Um fair I think it's fairly I mean, I think it's a fair trade though. Yeah. All right. We didn't do this last week, but there's just, I mean, it is just too bad to ignore this week. Stupid sleeper alerts of the week. We just have to, there's a couple here. The first one I want to point out is sleeper sent an alert to my phone. Uh, and this is not what Matt LaFleur said word for word, by the way. This is not a direct quote. But the, the headline was, uh, LaFleur says Packers will use quotation marks wide receiver by committee. Is there any other way to play the wide receiver position? <laughs> If it wasn't by committee, what is it? Uh, yeah. What was their plan originally? <laughs> what do I, what is every other team? It was just going to be lizard. Does, lizard, does the lizard person sending time. these alerts know football rosters at all? Are you serious? That's like saying you're going to do offensive line by committee. <laughs> what do, which one do you have? <laughs> you, you do one now. Uh, I had a pretty good one. Titans have quote major role plan for Burks. No crap. Dude. It's almost like they traded away. AJ Brown and spent their first round pick that they got from him for Traylon Burks, but he can't breathe. So they actually didn't have a major role plan for him at all. And he's like wide receiver 30 on keep trade cut. So he must not be that good. No major role, major role. Also Jalen hurts. uh, He he's his arm is looking good. 
according to Sleeper as well. Well, heck, if, I can't if, wait if to see that. If his arm looks good, then man, who knows? There's a lot of good-looking arms out there, and uh, many of them are not very good at football. Again, we know Sleeper listens to the show. Find someone to do your alerts, please. Come on. Um, all right, let's get into it. So this week, what we're going to do, we have not done this yet. We went through and kind of did some season projections the last two weeks, um, and I think it's important now. This is technically, as much as this hurts to say, this is technically a redraft episode. Technically. Technically, because we are going to go through and project the top 12 finishers um, for this 2022-2023 NFL season. This is your warning. This is a graphic episode. You are going to be hurt. You probably will cry. You're definitely going to be on Twitter trashing us. Yes. We, we, we got totally trashed on Twitter last week because we put out a J.K. Dobbins <laughs> poll and people got so butthurt about it. That was the most Twitter activity we've ever gotten tw- Twitter responses we've ever We'll gotten. have to talk about that sometime. Like it, that, is, oh, that is a funny it's one, good man. stuff. We may have to do a short on that one. Yeah. It was but awesome. Regardless, there's going to be some Twitter hate on here. Um, and that's fine. We are not here to honestly, you know what? If you went through and you looked at sleepers projections for finishers this year and you just listed them off, number one, you would be guaranteed to be wrong. They never pan out how you think they're going to. So we have to pick guys that are going to rise and we we don't know. We have to pick guys that are going to fall. We don't know who that's going to be. So we are guessing. But when we put guys that you really like that you think are top two finishers guaranteed and you, and you think that they're absolutely going to finish in the top two, we might be putting them in the top, I don't know, eight or nine because we've got to pick somebody to fall, right? Yep. So don't get too mad about these. We get it. it we are probably going to be 100% wrong. Like, I, I, if we're 50% accurate here, like, that is a, that's awesome. When? So when. we're not, we're not guaranteeing this. We are not saying you should make decisions based off of this. This is just our thoughts on how this season production wise will play out for the top 12 at each position. It's going to be fun to listen to because it's going to get you amped up and geared up for this week and for the NFL season. It will be interesting to see how right we are, but let's go ahead and get into it. So I think we'll go ahead and start with the big kahuna here. We'll start with the quarterback position, uh, the top 12 finishers for quarterback. We went ahead and talked through this together, Nathan and I. So these are going to be composite rankings. These are what we agreed upon. Uh, We only have one list here, and this is how we think the top 12 for this position is going to pan out. Okay. Uh, for the top 12 quarterbacks. The highest scoring fantasy quarterback this year will be Justin Herbert. So we went ahead and picked Justin Herbert to finish number one overall in PPR leagues. Can you go a little bit in detail on into why we made that pick, why we like Justin Herbert, how he's going to beat out guys like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson? What gives him the edge there? Yeah, so I think we... Together, you and I kind of agree that he would be at least top three. Absolutely. You definitely push for him to be one, and I didn't have much much pushback against that, mainly because there hasn't been there haven't been any additional assets to take away from Herbert's production that he put up last season. Correct. And the chemistry is only going to continue to grow. He's with young. Keenan He's Allen got another year under his belt. Exactly. He's more experienced. Um, Eckler and Keenan Allen have shown no signs of decline. Mike Williams just got a major uh, contract to stay there in L.A. And they also, 
their their tight end room looks a little bit better this year as well. So there's some more weapons that Herbert can throw to. At the end of the season last year, again, we don't think this is um, sustainable week in and week out, but he literally, how many attempts did he have in his last game? Like 65? Uh, it was a ton. It was ridiculous. It was 64 attempts. Yeah, it, it's just his ceiling from a passing game perspective is insane. Yes, he doesn't have the crazy rushing upside that someone like Lamar has, who I actually voted to be number one overall um, in QBs this season, but fine with picking Herbert. And I really, I can't argue with any reasonings or, or with, with anything for how Justin many, how Herbert. many like points a, do, do you know? How many points separated Justin Herbert and Josh Allen last year? Ooh, probably not that many. Cause Josh Allen was core, quarterback one overall. And Justin Herbert was number two. Yeah. Was it like 10 points? 15 points. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so here's here. This isn't something that's crazy. Uh, you're talking about a guy that has played two years in the NFL and you really don't think he takes a step up in his third year. He has the same weapons. I would argue a better defense and yeah, they'll, yeah, they'll be able to get the ball. They're going to be just a better team. Yep. But I mean, you're looking at last year. He put up 5000 yards in his second year. I, I, I'm totally crushing. Yeah, over over Justin Herbert because he's my favorite player. Yeah, but at the same time, you can't look at these stats and and deny that he already was producing at a high level. I think it's safe to say that number one, the odds are probably against Josh Allen to three P as the number one overall quarterback in fantasy. Yes, is regardless of what people think, and we'll go into that a little bit later. Yeah, um, but Herbert is who we like. I think we've got. I think I think it's a pretty safe pick too. Uh, number two is gonna. This is this is gonna be our first instance of uh, people maybe rioting over this because number two is not who you think it is. But this is a guy that Nathan really likes for this un- upcoming season, and I absolutely see the upside here. And that is Lamar Jackson at number two quarterback. So uh, with Lamar Jackson, I think you are talking about a guy who, obviously, you know whether it matters or not, he's he's healthy again. That matters. He put on some weight. That could matter. How much will he continue to run the ball? Obviously, if we're putting him at the number two quarterback overall, we are suspecting that, number one, he's going to be healthy, and number two, that he's still going to run the ball a fair amount there. Obviously, that's going to affect the stocks of guys like Mike Davis, guys like J.K. Dobbins. But we think Lamar has a good enough passing season and a good enough rushing season to get up to the quarterback two spot. We definitely think it, it, we definitely think it's in his range of outcomes to be the QB1. Like I mean, he's always got that potential. But do you yes. think you think he stays healthy this season and, and, and makes do with this? Yes, I think if he stays healthy, I think he has just as good a chance to be quarterback one as Herbert does, in my opinion. Um, Lamar is going to come back from this injury better and uh, better than he's ever been. I think a huge reason for why he think for why I believe he has this high of a ceiling in fantasy is because he has the drive to prove something this season in terms of his contract, contract situation. Yeah, absolutely. He is very clearly betting on himself to probably be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL because Baltimore doesn't want to give that to him. He is going to go out there and he is going to put everything out on the line and be a candidate for MVP this season. And if his- I, I personally don't think it's even a question. He is an MVP candidate this year. His best season in 2019, when he was an MVP, he averaged 28.2 fantasy points per game. 
Wow. He only had seven rushing touchdowns. A lot of it came from the yardage. He had 1,200 rushing yards, 3,100 passing yards, 36 passing touchdowns. I think the passing yardage goes up. I would put my money on 3,500. I, I would say that's that's fair. I mean, 3,500 is still not a ton. So, like, I mean, for him to hit 3,500, I mean. Yeah, exactly. But it's even not if, even that if, Even old. if he gets to, you know, 4,000 passing yards, he could still register 900 rushing yards and still be in that conversation. Yes. So, yes. I think it's a safe pick. I, I like that, too. And surely at, at number three, we have Josh Allen, right? No. We have Patrick Mahomes. People, I know that's are gonna riot. so boring. Why would we bet on the greatest quarterback of our generation? Of our generation. Super Bowl champion, Patrick Mahomes. Literally the best quarterback in the NFL. Like, yes, I get like that. Aaron Rodgers is probably the. Yeah, you could you could, you could make you that could argument. Be, uh, yeah, you, you can make the argument for Rodgers. Yes, but but Patrick Mahomes, man, he's a generational talent. The weapons do guys. I think people are actually expecting Patrick Mahomes to, like fall out of the top six this year in production. I think that's hilarious. That is this. So yeah, I meant to put a tweet out about this, but I just can't get over what what is this trend that we're seeing in fantasy right now? Why is it that the best NFL quarterbacks, the the best quarterbacks of our generation, what what, what is it that they're going that their stock is down because of their wide receiver situation? When wh- they're great because they transcend their team situation. Yeah, it does not matter. It's the same thing. Wide receivers, actually, you know what? And I said Aaron Rodgers. It's the same argument with Aaron Rodgers. Yes, it does not matter. Oh, but Aaron Rodgers without Devontae Adams? Are you serious? That is the lamest argument I've ever heard. Guys, this is why they're great. Watch football. They transcend their team situation, which isn't even that bad. The Chiefs' Chiefs offensive situation schematically actually looks better than well, it has in the past couple of seasons because it's been Tyreek, Kelsey. Now it's Kelsey, Kelsey and then a bunch of complimentary receiving pieces in Juju, uh, who's a lot, who's a big threat in the short and mid-range passing game. And then you have MVS as the deep ball threat. And then you have Mikul Hardman. And then you have Sky, throwing Sky Moore into the mix. Who could easily be productive. And yes. look, we're not saying these wide receivers and these weapons are fantasy elite or even fantasy reliable. No, but we're talking about Patrick Mahomes but me, combined. Miko Hardman hasn't been really that in the last two years either, but but Patrick Mahomes has still used Miko Hardman a fair amount, and Miko Hardman, when he gets targets, has been a fairly efficient receiver because of Patrick Mahomes. If you don't think that Mahomes will come out and do that with this crew, you're mistaken. So we have Mahomes there, and then we finally at number four we have Josh Allen, and it's not anything against Josh Allen in particular. Obviously, they're going to have a new uh, offensive system in Buffalo, and while I don't think that affects Josh Allen's level of play, um, I do wonder if he'll run the ball a little bit less this year, and and maybe they use some of that three man running back committee in the red zone a little bit more to find touchdowns that way. Yeah, the red zone is where I'd be most concerned with that RB committee. They'd be, I, I mean, every play, they can just put fresh legs in there every single time, uh, every single play, and just get one of them in the end zone. Like, it, it just, we'll, we'll see how it pans out. Honestly, again, I, I would say he's even in the same tier as all these top three people as well. They, they have the same ceiling. 
in my opinion. Yeah. And we just, at the end of the day, we had to pick one, two, three, four, and Alan just landed. And I really, I really think the, and I really think the next guy too has a, has a, could be in this tier to finish the, as the yeah because it, 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 it wouldn't surprise me if Kyler was the, the number one overall QB. You know he's got Marquise Brown now. He'll have D Hop for two thirds of the season. Zach Ertz, Rondale Moore. He's got James Conner out of the backfield. Still, he's got he's playing on an elite team. Still, the Cardinals are still a good team, regardless of if they choked last year or not. So with Kyler, it's another guy that has another year under his belt that has very elite rushing upside. These guys with this this rushing upside, especially when you're playing in four point passing touchdown and six-point rushing touchdown leagues, the Kylers, the Lamars, the Hurts, they're going to have some serious potential to be that number one quarterback overall. And so we have Kyler Murray ranked at number five just because we're being a little bit more conservative, I think, with how he tends to perform, especially later in the season. Yes, he's not incredibly consistent throughout. But so. we do like him as as you know, obviously a, a, a fair threat to that spot. And then I think the next tier guy starts with Jalen Hurts. So you know, expectations for Jalen Hurts in his uh, in his next year of football coming in at the number six spot in our rankings. Yeah, so I think Hurts, uh, his rushing upside is the same as it was last season. I don't see Sirianni really changing anything. I, I don't think they, they haven't brought in anyone that would be a threat to the rushing production that he had last year. I think his passing touchdowns has to go up a little bit from 16. Yeah, And absolutely. then he had 3,100 passing yards. Um, I, I, I think his passing production goes up a significant amount, especially especially in the passing touchdown category. I'd, I'd say he's plus 23. So then by that logic, you would have to say that his rushing efficiency takes a little bit of a dip. Um, because if his passing, if his, if his yeah, because because a lot of yeah, because a lot up, of his rushing higher. statistics were were touchdowns. He had ten rushing touchdowns and last a year. A lot of that was garbage time stuff. He had that a lot of true. garbage time yes. points last year. Yeah. While I do think he takes a little bit of a production step up overall, I really don't think he takes an elite step up like people are drafting him in first round of dynasty startups. I think that's ridiculous. I think it's silly. I think Jalen Hurts is a below average quarterback. Yeah, yeah oh, in absolutely. the NFL. So, I, and I wouldn't even. I'm probably not as confident in you. Actually, you know, obviously, I think he takes a step up, and with, I think that's not a, a bold statement. But I don't think he gets super efficient as a passer. Now, obviously, the weapons right. help, but for me, I think it's just going to be more maintaining what he did last year without some of the garbage time stuff. So, I think yeah, the the decrease in garbage time points coupled with the step up he takes naturally in his progression as a QB probably puts him in this range too. Now, I will say, by having him here at, what is it, number six, I think we're kind of predicting that he stays in Philadelphia after this year. Um, I don't think so. Well, what is it? What is it? Is this? Is he entering his third season? Yes. Well, he'll have to come back but to really Philly his next second season. full season, right? Yeah, he'll he'll have to come back next season because he's on his last last year of his deal. So I don't really expect him to leave next year unless someone wanted to trade for him. And I think I don't think anyone wants to. Um, he seems to fit their system fine right now. I think Sirianni could do a lot more with a better quarterback in the future, but they can make do with him for the next couple years. Absolutely. Um, the next guy's gonna raise some eyebrows. At number seven, we have Aaron Rodgers. And obviously with Aaron Rodgers, look, we get it. The the, the, re the receivers are not as talented purely based on the fact that they took out Devontae Adams. 
But the notion, although whether you directly say this or not, that it's insinuated when citing Devontae Adams' presence as Aaron Rodgers' success catalyst that Devontae Adams was a large part, if not a whole part, of Rodgers' success. And that is crazy. You are crazy. Aaron Rodgers is extremely efficient with any wide receiver he throws to. He makes the least mistakes in the NFL. You know he's going to be playing at an extremely high level after winning two MVPs in a row. And is it really that outlandish to, to say that he gets a top eight finish? I mean, a that's top- so outlandish. I can't believe you would ever. How dare you? It's, it's one of it's again with him and Mahomes. People expect them to take steps back, but the, but but we're thinking again. I don't expect any of the Packers receivers to be ultra fantasy relevant, and I definitely don't expect any of them to be elite. But but Lazard will be relevant. Christian Watson will be relevant. That's probably it. Just because the weapons aren't fantasy relevant doesn't mean they are incapable of supporting a high level MVP caliber quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. That it is the easiest mistake to make because we're so focused on a fantasy outlook of a team instead of how does this how do these wide receivers although not fantasy relevant how do they support Aaron Rodgers or how does Aaron Rodgers support them because that's really what this is yeah and it's also a bit of a trend that we've just seen this offseason too we've never seen uh this high of a number of elite wide receivers be moved to different teams because of contract situations and a lot of it seems to be a result of the massive deals that elite quarterbacks are signing right now. And we kind of talked about this earlier and how we think um, this year is going to be very telling to see on those teams with fringe QBs, if the QBs make the receivers or if the receivers make the QBs. And what we're seeing is that a lot of the fringe QBs that aren't necessarily elite are getting those elite wide receivers. Therefore, you are counting on the receivers making those teams, the receivers making those quarterbacks. But We've taken it a little bit too far in the dynasty community where now we're applying that to the elite QBs who have lost those elite receivers and saying they are not going, they are no longer going to be elite producers in fantasy. And that is taking it too far. That's too much. I 100% agree with you there. So we need to be careful and we need to scale it back a bit as we go into the season or we're going to be massively let down. I think there's going to be a pretty big reality check this season after a crazy off-season and free agency. Yeah, I 100% agree here. Uh, the next guy we have on our list is Trey Lance. So this is obviously a guy that we predict. We, we just you predict. predict. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. The, I, I, think, I think with Trey Lance personally, like I think with Trey Lance... This uh, is his ceiling. The, I would agree with you there. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I, I just think with the rushing upside, though, that this is an extremely plausible finish for him. Like, we saw it with Jalen Hurts, who was not a, a flashy passer, well, especially statistically, and because of the foundation that his rushing production laid, he was able to finish as a quarterback one last year. And I think I think with Lance, you're looking at the same thing here. Except better team situation, right? And potentially more talented. I mean, yeah. Traylon, it's, I mean, it's absolutely plausible that Trance is more talented than Jalen Hurts, too. So yes. I like him here. Obviously, his weapons are fine. They've obviously given him the keys to the offense. It'll be really interesting to see if he plays out there. And the next guy we have on our list at number nine is Joe Burrow. People are going to want to have seen Joe Burrow higher than this. But People why, are going to see Burrow in the top four. So why do we have Burrow here? Um, because we're not we're not going to say that the latter half of last season was a fluke and that their Super Bowl run was a fluke. The Cincinnati Bengals are no longer going to be taking anyone in the NFL by surprise. Jamar Chase is not going to be taking any defenses by surprise. Joe Burrow 
is, in my opinion, if I were to predict Joe Burrow's um, outcome as a quarterback in the NFL, I think he will go down in history as an elite quarterback with high production in fantasy. I don't think that happens this year, like top six. I think they scale it back a little bit. I think they maybe revert to the run game a little bit more with Mixon, and I think they, again, the NFL doesn't care about your fantasy football teams. They're going to do what's best for the team, and that could mean sacrificing a little bit of fantasy production for Burrow in the passing game. He also just doesn't have the rushing upside that everyone else in front of him has, yeah, except no. with the exception of Rodgers. Right, and, and we just predict that Rodgers will... I don't know, and people are going to Rogers is Rogers is Rogers. Yeah, so people are going to people are going to object to that. Because he's kind of weapons, he's kind of done it for fifteen years. Well, it we'll, doesn't. We'll matter. talk about the receivers later in this episode. So, the next guy we have uh, on our list is Matt Stafford, and it was just it was it would have been hard to leave him out of this list for sure. Uh, I guess the reason we'd put him behind guys like Burrow, Lance, even Rogers and Hurts. Um, obviously Lance and Hertz have rushing upside and then Rogers and Rogers and Burrow, I think are better play style comparisons. And we're just betting that they have bigger seasons than Stafford this year. Um, obviously we like Stafford's weapons with cup and Robinson. Uh, we like, you know, even him having Tyler Higby there still, uh, Van Jefferson, Odell, if he comes back to the Rams. So, uh, I just wouldn't expect a major drop off for Stafford. No, no, not much. Um, but just think even with, Cooper Cup being the number one receiver overall last season in fantasy, he still was only QB 11 on a points-per-game basis. Right. And now this season you've got Cam Akers coming back. Depends on what you think about what he's going to do. Henderson being fully healthy. There just could be some variation in what what's up. So, yeah. yeah. At 11, we have Dak Prescott, which obviously, you know, he's going to get in here. His rushing upside has decreased over the years, but it's his passing volume alone. Still going to be enough to get him in the top 12 easily. Yep, and he'll be a high-end producer for sure. And then last but not least, we had to put him in here because he's never not been a QB1 when he's played a full season, and that is Russell Wilson. So obviously him going over to the Broncos, he's got decent weapons. They should be a fairly good team. I don't think Nathan and I, either, either of us, have them making the playoffs, but I think we would expect Russ to probably come back and have a pretty good year this yeah, year. Yeah, Russ will be Russ. He always has been. No reason to see him not be. And he's surrounded with way better weapons this year, in my opinion. So, All right, moving on to wide receivers. The number one overall finishing wide receiver in fantasy football in 2022-2023, according to us, is... Justin Jefferson. And obviously, you know, he dethrones Cooper Cup here. We think that Cup, you know, probably... We're, we're obviously going to predict he has a, a good season. But with Justin Jefferson, obviously, you know, he has been rumored to be playing the cup role in that offense, which is the Rams offense that they ran last year. But obviously, talent-wise, and um, him getting another year under his belt, them just focusing that offense through, I just, I think it's in the cards for him to just have the number one overall receiving season. Yeah, that's why he's the number one receiver overall in Dynasty, is because we expect that number one receiving uh, fantasy season. And at that age, multiple too, times. That's and at crazy. That, yeah, this is his third year. We always look for those third-year receiver breakouts. He's already broken out his rookie season and gotten better since he will not decline. Two is Cooper Cup, and I think um, I think we would expect Cooper Cup to have another massive year. And obviously, being the type of receiver that's probably going to age better than some than some of the other receivers his age, uh, I don't think we expect him to take a serious step off until next year, or the year after. Yeah, and he's he's in the same tier as Justin Jefferson. We could just as easily see him being wide receiver one overall. Um, 
with Jay Jeff. So Stefan Diggs at number three, which this is interesting because he's above guys like Devontae Adams, Debo Samuel. Um, those are probably the two hottest ones. But yeah. notice we didn't have Gabe Davis at wide receiver three. <laughs> notice <laughs> we don't. Um, Stefan, the only elite, really skill player on that team. I but mean, James Cook is an up. elite skill player. Yeah, be quiet. Um, <laughs> I mean, because you're talking about the weapons in, in Buffalo, and we've we've told I and mean, we've said it before. We don't love most of them. So you're talking about guys like uh, Gabe Davis and guys like Isaiah McKenzie and Khalil Shakir and Dawson Knox and James Cook and, and Devin Singletary. And there's a whole lot of meh there. Meh. Meh. But Stefan is not meh. Stefan got a huge contract. He's playing extremely well. He's developed chemistry with Josh Allen. He's going to be Josh Allen's number one weapon, and that should lead to him being a lock to be a top five receiver. Honestly, Stefan has wide receiver one upside this season, in my opinion. Yes, he does. I Yeah, again, I think he's in that same tier. Uh, I think the tier takes a step off here, and that is with C.D. Lamb. And C.D. obviously coming in at number four, we are projecting a giant jump for C.D., who's previously, I think his finished high was 17th in PBR leagues. Something like yeah. that. It was yep. somewhere in a wide receiver two. Not finished higher yep. than a wide receiver two, and we are going to have him at wide receiver four this year. What do you expect to see from C.D. Lamb? Where where does the production jump come from this year to get him this high on the list? Uh, I think, obviously, Amari Cooper leaving that wide receiver room is going to va- have uh, opened up a lot of target availability for C.D. Lamb. Then even Cedric Wilson being gone it was a big deal. Um, Michael Gallup being injured is not as significant anymore because he wasn't even put on the pup list. He should be back no later than week three is what we expect. Um, and Ezekiel Elliott is not getting any better. He is going to continue to decline. He did not look good last year. He will not look any better this year. And Tony Pollard is on the rise or, or, or plateauing just, out oh, yeah, and always being this way. Yeah, but I think he'll overtake Zeke this season, maybe even in production, definitely in never, quality of touches. He's already overtaken him in, in, in uh, efficiency on a per-touch basis. So obviously um, we're betting on the talent of C.D. Lamb this year. Yes, yeah, and the, the run game is not going to be any better than it has been in past years, which means Although Dak will be primarily throwing, which sure. he already does so the thing about the Cowboys is they're so unpredictable always in their offensive scheme and then on who their GM says is going to start and obviously their GM being old Jerry Jones who (laughs) is notoriously bad at being a general manager of a football team but you just sometimes I personally think yeah I thought CeeDee Lamb was a good pick when they got him I I don't think he's a bust I think he is poised for a breakout this year Devontae Adams at number five here obviously with Devontae Adams you know we expect him to take a small a small production step back probably without Rodgers because Derek Carr is no Rodgers. At the same time, he's going to get a very large target share again this year. He is on an offense that is above average. Um, and he showed no signs of slowing down last year. So really, you know, while it's it's not really a drop-off, I would say, for Devontae, it's more of two guys with better situations passing him up. Um. Anything else on Devontae? You, you're a Devontae guy. No, you're a Derek I, Carr guy, but we'll talk yeah. about Derek Carr. Or we, or we didn't we talk about Derek Carr because he didn't make it top 12. <sighs> yeah, I know. Sad because we had to fight I on know, that because I know. of freaking Trey Lance. Um, no, I'm with you on Devontae Adams. I think there, there may be, even this year, you may see less of a production drop-off and more of just a theoretical ceiling step back. Sure. He yeah. doesn't have the ceiling. And that that's going to happen when he's, yes. you know, 
when he I mean that gets that magic number thirty, right? Yeah. Um. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, yeah. All right. Um. He, he has yeah. He's Devonte Adams. He's fine. Yes, I, I agree with you. Uh, at number six. Debo Samuel. So Debo, obviously, he was a guy. I think he was fifth last year, and was no, he third? Uh, he was third. He was third. He, he was fifth in standard. In third points. is third in PPR. Yep. So Debo, obviously, you know, new quarterback, probably close to the same role from what it sounds like. Um, I just, I, you know, he can't. I I think last year was a really really good season for Debo, and I think I think a lot of the rushing for the 49ers, and this affects Elijah Mitchell too. I think Trey Lance takes a little bit of a bite out of out of Debo's rushing carries from last year. That's just personally what I think. Yeah, and I already expected Debo to take uh, a dip in his rushing production just because he didn't want to be a full running back because of the longevity of running backs is way less than those of receivers. However, he does have incentives in his contract if he reaches a certain amount of carries, yards, rushing, touchdowns, things like that. He does get bonuses. However, I do see his carries going down. That being said... I think he'll make up for it in his receiving production. He is a good receiver. Yeah. Very good receiver. Absolutely. I think I, I think I think you're right. I agree with you there. Um I don't think this is a short to Debo at all. Number seven, we have wait for it. Tyreek Hill. How so, dare you? So I, at this point, people are probably screaming at us because we have a pretty notable omission. And I'm just gonna warn you that <laughs> you're gonna be screaming for a little while longer. <laughs> <laughs> so Tyreek Hill, man. Tyreek Hill? No, because he doesn't have Mahomes, right? We've talked about Tyreek Hill. Go to our YouTube, watch our short. Tyreek Hill, one of the most talented receivers in the NFL, if not the most talented and athletic. Like, I mean, just otherworldly. Not going to fall off without Mahomes. Tua can get him the ball. He's going to, you know, we talked about his depth per target last year and even depth per reception, 8 to 10 yards, right? Yeah. You really don't think Tua can throw the ball 8 to 10 yards? Come on. It's what Tyreek Hill does after. It's the amount of volume he's going to get. They paid him so much money. They did not pay him to not use him. So I think it's fairly, I think it's fairly set in stone that he is a wide receiver one, and there are actually people that disagree with that, which is really interesting. But you know, I, I think going to a new team warrants some of that skepticism. At the same time, I think we're shorting his talent just a little bit too much for my liking. All right, let's get to the guy you've all been waiting for, T. Higgins. <laughs> and yes, we are serious, T. Yes, Higgins. We are not kidding. Obviously, you know, with T. T was targeted a little bit more last year than the other person who will not be named yet on this list. And um, I think we think that this year that's going to translate for to more receptions to potentially more red zone targets um, and yards wise. You know, I think they're getting they're comparable anyways. So I think T finishes as Cincinnati's wide receiver one this year and our wide receiver eight followed closely by AJ Brown, who a lot of people are shorting this guy again. But what are your thoughts on AJ Brown for in his situation this year? Um, my thoughts are that he is a target hog and that will not stop in Philly. They paid him again. They paid him $100 million for a reason. He is one of the best receivers in the NFL. He is a game wrecker. They are going to get him the ball. No problem. Yeah, I, I absolutely. It's AJ Brown. All right. Are we ready for this? We are ready for this. Number nine is Jamar Chase. Okay, Jamar Chase. Out. You just put Jamar, Jamar Chase who I, I absolutely understand, guys. I, with Jamar Chase, I get it. He is incredible to watch. He is a generational talent. He really yep. is. And he finished fifth in PPR leagues last year. However, on a points-per-game basis, he was 12th. And he had a lot of outlier games. Yes, he did. T. Higgins was consistently Joe Burrow's favorite target. But you saw, I mean, his out, between his outlier games and his, some, of his, some of his big plays, well, I get he's pretty magical after the catch. 
some of them were I would say a little bit fortunate. Yeah, I was super wrong on the points per game basis. Also, that was my bad. I was looking at T. Higgins. <laughs> oh, so what was, was he in points per game? Uh, points per game, he was fifth as well. T. Higgins yeah. was twelfth on a points per game basis, and he had like fifteen more targets than T. So obviously, the difference was that you know <laughs> Jamar Chase was getting more yards per target yes. and more yards per reception, and and a lot of that is attributed to his big plays. And we think people, we think we think that defenses are going to be able to cut down on that a little bit this year, it's similar to how they did with Tyreek Hill. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, with with Jamar Chase, obviously he's extremely talented. We like him to be a wide receiver one. Obviously, Jamar Chase's ceiling is it is still the wide receiver one overall. I mean, that he does have that ceiling. In yeah, him. he just absolutely does. This is just us taking a bet that T finishes higher this year and that Jamar Chase takes a step back as yes. well as his dynasty value cooling off a little. Yes, bit. this is it was incredible to see what he did as a rookie, which the only reason he surpassed Justin Jefferson's amazing rookie season is because they had an extra game. However, we do have him ranked second overall in dynasty. Jamar Chase is elite. Jamar Chase is going to be great paired with Burrow for the next eight to ten years. Um, he had 13 receiving touchdowns last year. I see that taking a step back. Defenses will no longer be taken taken by surprise with Jamar Chase's ability. And he's going into his second year. He he still has yet to come into his own in the NFL. He's going to have to continue to learn that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, I think, I think to say this is impossible is, is, is not true. I think this is an absolutely plausible situation. Um, we got two old guys to round off the top 12 here. Mike Williams and Mike Evans. Obviously, with Williams, we're betting that he's going to dethrone Keenan Allen as the wide receiver one, and I think it's a pretty good bet. Yep. A guy with a really high draft capital guy that was coming out on late and producing last year. Although it has really only been one year that he's produced at that high of a level, we're going to bet that he's going to maintain and build upon that. And then with Mike Evans, uh, honestly, we could have put Godwin here too, but I think it would be a little bit weird to put not put one of these elite Brady receivers into the top 12. And with Chris Godwin coming back from the ACL, we gave the, the, the nod to Mike Evans, who's somebody probably at the beginning of the year that's going to have a lot of targets because Tampa Bay is pretty short in weapons too. So, yep. All right, let's move on to running back. So at number one, this actually will surprise some people because there are, I think at number one, there are a lot of people that are putting Christian McCaffrey and we're, we're not there. I mean, and that's fine. We're obviously going to put our boy Jonathan Taylor. So talk to me a little about how about how you see JT's production building off of what it was last year. Um, I see it being roughly the same. I could see his yardage going up and his touchdowns going down. He had a ridiculous amount of touchdowns last year. Yeah. Obviously, that one game where he had five total touchdowns uh, made history. It was a, it was pretty fun to watch. Um, I, I see him becoming more of a, an efficient back on a yardage um, basis and even in the passing game with Matt Ryan in the backfield there. He's actually going to see Jonathan Taylor and actually throw him the check down instead of trying to throw the ball to pity and triple coverage. Um, <clears throat> I think that could be really exciting to see how lethal JT could be after the catch in the passing game uh, with Matt Ryan, who's just, you know what Matt Ryan is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also... Naheem Hines, I don't really think is going to take away much from him. I think it'll be kind of the same as last year. Um, and CMC, I mean, the reason we don't have CMC at one is because I think we really think he's he's not going to play a complete season this year. No, I don't. I don't and think so not only that, you have a better quarterback in Baker Mayfield who is going to do more than just dump it to CMC because he's a more capable QB than they've had since Cam Newton in his prime. Yeah. So I think the question is, where does CMC fall? Well, not at number two. We'll put Saquon Barkley there. Is this really a hot take? Because people like to say it is. 
It's a hotter take than most. Okay. Uh, in terms of his ceiling and what he's shown before, it's not really at all. No. And everyone gets so excited about the Giants receivers every single year, and then they crap the bed every single year. Uh, they are so limited with Daniel Dimes back there. He is a crap quarterback. He is bad. Get out. He will never sell. be good. Get rid of him now. He's terrible. I wouldn't sell him for nothing, but you definitely want to sell yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The irony is that I actually bought him in one league because he is this cheap just so I can sell him when people decide to be high on him this season when he puts up 25 points in a game because he ran for a couple rushing touchdowns and fell head over heels for a third. So Yeah, and so with Saquon, obviously he's looked really, 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 really healthy, and that's important during camp. Um, I don't expect any competition as long as he's healthy there in terms of touches and yeah. snap percentage. He'll, he'll own that. Offense. I don't expect Daniel Jones to be an efficient passer. He's going to own that offense. He's going to get every single every single valuable touch and pair that with the talent and the upside. Yep. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think Saquon could be the running back one this yeah. year. And crazy to say it too, like he has a lot to prove this year. Uh, Absolutely. Because he's going into his last year of his rookie deal, and if he wants to get a very high paying running back job for the next four years after this. He's going to need to show that he can be healthy for most, if not all of the season. And he's going to have to be an elite producer for a team that could really use him. Eckler so. uh, comes in at number three there. And then we have Christian McCaffrey and Nick Chubb. Let's talk about these three guys. Uh, so with Eckler, you know, elite offense, 27 years old, but very limited mileage for a running back. Yes, very limited mileage. Everyone can say, well, he has a bunch of touches in the passing game. Passing game touches are different than running game touches. Really? No way. But it's true. He is one of those running backs that is going to last longer and be highly productive for for more than the average running back, in my opinion. So uh, he's, he's paired with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert will have no problem dumping it to him when he needs to, and Eckler nope. will make something out of it. And Eckler's a talented running back. He's going to get a lot of touchdowns again this year. I mean, yep. Yep. he was their number one red zone threat last yeah, year. Yeah, I've heard a lot of uh, arguments talking about Eckler saying that he's not going to produce um, in terms of touchdowns as much as he did last season. I say, why not? Uh, he absolutely not? could. Like, that's he, not he absolutely a question. Can. So, it, it, I mean, it, I think the question is, will he surpass that? Like, He's going to be, I mean, he's going to be really involved no, in there. But I mean, he doesn't need to surpass it. He exactly. was running back two overall last year. But, the, but, the, but obviously, the involvement in the passing game is huge for him. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, elite offense, elite quarterback. With Christian McCaffrey, it's the opposite. Uh, unelite quarterback in Baker, unelite offense, bad team. But he's Christian McCaffrey, right? I mean, he's another guy that if he does play a full season, we would not be surprised if he ended up at running back number one. So, I think essentially what we're betting here is that Christian McCaffrey doesn't play a full season, but he also doesn't miss most of the season. So he plays. Yeah. I think. I think at this rate, if he's falling fourth in our rankings, we're, we're betting he plays about two thirds of this. Yeah, season. it's hard to bet against the ceiling at this point. Yeah, uh, and Nick Chubb comes in after that. Uh, Nick Chubb playing the first eleven games without Deshaun Watson. You have to expect that the Cleveland Browns offense goes. That through Chubb. is going to be huge. And 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 what's the Kareem Hunt situation for you here? Um, the situation for me is that Nick Chubb has put up running back one numbers before with Kareem Hunt in the backfield, and also Kareem Hunt just hasn't proven to stay healthy for an entire season. Neither is Nick Chubb, but I would put my money on Nick Chubb being the primary back there throughout the season. And I, I'm going to hope that he's not going to struggle with injury as much as he did last year. I don't think Kareem takes away that much from him because Chubb is that bell cow 
running back who takes most of the carries. Kareem is maybe a little bit more lethal in the passing game. Sure. Um, but we count on Chubb in the running game specifically. I'm interested. So the next guy we have on here is Dalvin Cook. Do you think Chubb finishes above Dalvin Cook this year? I think he could. Because I, I mean, because that's, I would take Cook there. I think Cook. I think Cook is a guy that has running back one ceiling. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, Chubb and, does. and here's why I personally prefer Chubb over Cook this year, um, or this is my prediction, is because one, Dalvin has never played a complete season in his career, never. Okay. Um, so that obviously can really hurt you, especially if he has an injury towards the end of the season. You also have a guy named Justin Jefferson on your team as well. That's true. Not to mention Alexander Madison. Alexander Madison is a, he is a very, very good running back too. And they have, he was a dead man walking though. No, but he has the Minnesota is going to have no problem starting Madison ahead of Dalvin. If Dalvin is not hundred percent healthy. Oh, absolutely. I think, um, I think you've got because that. there's not really any production drop off there. Uh, and then again, like we said earlier, Chubb is playing without Deshaun for the first 11 weeks. There's only so much that Brissett can do for, for the receivers. And in the passing game, they're going to have to lean on the running backs those first 11 games, which could really give him a head start on Dalvin going into the latter part of the season. Yeah, I I okay, I agree with that. I I would I would fair to say if Cook plays a full season, he has running back one potential just because I think he'll run in the slot a little bit there, and I think he has a lot of PPR upside. Yep. But I'm with you. I think that's more than possible. This is going to take some people off. I think. So what are we at? One. So at number seven, DeAndre Swift. Probably not going to piss a ton of people off here, but at the same time, DeAndre Swift. We've said it before. We'll say it again. Every valuable touch. He's not going to compete for touches with anyone, regardless of what hard knocks says. Okay. He's going to get a ton of targets in the passing game because he is easy for bad quarterback Jared Goff to throw to. He is very good after the catch with his legs, with his shiftiness. He is going to get every red zone touch. Assuming, obviously, assuming he stays healthy, we expect him to be a top eight back year this year pretty easily. And then after that, a guy we would expect to with Joe Mixon and and yeah. his situation on the city, Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, we've talked about him plenty. We really like his situation with the Bengals and kind of part of a reason we have Joe Burrow taking a bit of a step back. We see that Cincinnati um, leaning on Mixon even more. He's just he's one of the best NFL running backs, um, which was contrary to my opinion on him um, in seasons prior i used to be a mix and hater until i just couldn't look past it <laughs> and uh and this, kind of and this is a guy senses. you know that's obviously this is a bit interesting actually because we have him this low but he finished fourth last year and burrow we obviously have him lower and he finished higher so but again a lot of these guys uh but i guess ending it, higher is a result of some of the be, guys with the most being ceiling leapfrogged. being out so you know like saquon and cmc being the biggest ones yeah that's okay you're right that's that's a good point um, the next guy we have on here, maybe been waiting for this one is Derrick Henry. Now with Derrick Henry, I don't think we're, I think one of two things happens here. Either a, he takes a natural step back in the, cause number one, I mean, his, his workload is getting up there. He's getting to the point where running backs normally fall off. Either he takes a step back where he plays half the season and, and maybe three quarters of the season. And that's it. I don't think we yep. expect him to finish any higher than this. That's just our bet. It's obviously, he obviously, if he plays a full season and has it, Dropped off. He's obviously got running back one upside. The running back position is really pretty volatile, but we'll say we'll say uh, number nine for Henry. Yeah, a lot of this will be decided by a couple of games and who is healthy the entire season. 
Number 10 is Najee Harris. And obviously, this is a guy that many would have expected to be higher than this. I think Najee gets a little bit less touches this year and is a little bit less involved in the passing game with him moving on to Trubisky and potentially Pickett as their quarterback. So, Yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. I, I kind of go back and forth with what I think he's going to do and from a production standpoint. But again, a lot of this is just leapfrogging, like we said earlier. CMC and Saquon, you can't... It's, it's really hard to leave them out of the top six when they're fully healthy. And assuming that these guys are fully healthy, assuming they're only going to miss a couple of games, we kind of hope that CMC isn't injury prone. Um, same with Saquon Barkley, but I just can't bet against those guys. Uh, Najee and then the receiver situation in Pittsburgh, it's going to be a fun thing to watch um, and something that may end up being negative for Najee's production. Uh, the last two guys on here, Alvin Kamara. What else do we need to say? Surefire. RB1. He's done it every year. He's been in the league. The last one's going to be Aaron Jones, who don't be surprised when Aaron Jones is really high up on the number of targets he's getting for the Packers and yeah. for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, yep. I think I think A.J. Dillon, as long as Aaron Jones is healthy and in Green Bay, is not necessarily a threat to Aaron Jones' production. And I think that's going to especially ring true in a year where their wide receiver talent is less than impressive. I think Aaron Jones will be the one to take a step up there in Green Bay. Yes. I would expect a big season from him. All right, and last but not least, we have tight ends. And we are going to start with the number one overall tight end. This should not surprise you. He's on his own in Kansas City. It's Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. That's all you got to say. Uh, the number two is going to be George Kittle, obviously. So we're expecting him to jump Andrews this year and even finish higher than Pitts. Keyword, key name, Trey Lance. New quarterback, easiest guy to throw to on the field is going to be Kittle. Kittle catches everything in his, in his zone. Um, not to mention, he's not really stayed healthy a full season yet. Even though he's played through injuries yeah. or played hurt, yeah, he if he plays a full season healthy, the man has oh, yeah. unlimited ceiling. Yes, and Mark Andrews' best games last year came, with the exception of the Colts game, uh, his best games on a points per game basis came when Tyler Huntley was on the field because, again, Tyler Huntley is not a good quarterback, not the likes of Lamar Jackson. He can't make the throws that Lamar can to the other receivers on the field. Uh, watch Andrews or, or see... Watch for Andrews to make a bit of a production decrease this year, um, even though he's still going to be an elite threat on the field. Um, with ceilings, um, with a ceiling, the likes of solid receivers. Yeah, so, and we've obviously got him at number three. Yep. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, ooh, at number four, ahead of Pitts. Again, Pitts falling down. Bad quarterback, we like that for tight ends. Which you could make that argument for Pitts, too. Yes, but Different Jared Goff is not a rushing quarterback. Not only that, different style of very, of tight very end. much, very much. Uh, we like Hawk getting a, the you know with DeAndre Swift getting the majority of the work there in in yep. Detroit. Schultz, Dalton Schultz will be uh, number five on our list here, and obviously, even if this is his last year in Dallas, with it being CD Lamb and him for the most part, and the running backs, we expect him to have a pretty big year. Yes, we do. He's going to get a lot of targets. He's going to get a lot of red zone targets. We like Dalton Schultz. We, and if he stays there, he's got a lot of long-term value, too. Uh, then we've got Pitts. So, obviously, where did Pitts fit? Was Pitts five last year? Yeah, he was fifth, and he scored one touchdown the entire season. His touchdown rate will go up. He will become a better receiver, a better tight end, as all elite tight ends do. So, how and, do we justify uh, moving him down, then? Uh, Because I could see... Even though he gets better, even in the receiving, like he, he, even though he gets better, I I think his um 
I think his opportunity goes down with because the of passing ability of Marcus Mariota. His touchdowns could go up. I think his yardage could go down. He only had 900 we'll yards, right? Yeah. I don't know. What about I mean, Drake London, though? Yeah, I mean, I think that matters. Yeah. I did kind of contradict myself there because I did say he was going to get better. I think we'll see, uh, as an NFL tight end, we'll see Pitts get significantly and noticeably better this year. Okay. But not in fantasy. I, w- I would argue maybe to put Pitts a little bit higher than this now that I'm talking through it. But at the same time, it's absolutely in the cards uh, for him. I just, to don't, just, know who, I just don't know who he's going to beat out. Hawk. I mean, I think he could beat a uh, Hawk. He, I guess he could, but but yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, and then we've got Zach Ertz. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you what you see in Zach Ertz this uh, season with the Cardinals. Zach Ertz is in a wonderful position with Kyler Murray. Um, the second he stepped on the field there in Arizona, he became a primary target for Kyler and a tight end one producer, a high end tight end one producer. He's an elite tight end. He always has been since his time in Philadelphia and he has not declined. No, he is not. And and Trey McBride's not taking that from him. No, not for not two more him. years. Yep. Uh, Darren Waller after this, a little bit low for Waller here, yeah. but I think we just one kind name. of assume he'll struggle with a little bit of Devonte Adams. Well, that and I mean, he's he's got a little bit of a hammy going on. Yes. So hammy Cole Komet jumps up and jumps into the top 10 here. Um, one of two targets and two targets only in Chicago. That's and, all we have to say about that. <laughs> yeah, and it'll just be interesting to see if Komet is long-term. Fryermuth, we've got there uh, at number 10. You know, with Fryermuth, I think this is just a safe pick. I, I don't think his ceiling is is that of the elite guys in, in this positional category, but I do think he has a solid year. I mean, right? He had a pretty yep. good rookie year. Uh, honestly, that's impressive for a tight end anyways, but... Uh, at number 11, Noah Font. How could you put Noah Font up here? He's He is playing with a bad quarterback. and blo- His his quarterback exactly. situation is not worse than it was last year. Bottom line is, guys, he's more talented. He is a much better tight end than Dawson Knox is. He is a yep. much better tight end than David Njoku is. He is. He's an extremely talented player, and his situation has not gotten worse. To say his situation has gotten worse is a lie. So, obviously, you're expecting him to, you know, tight ends, they take a minute to get with it you know, talent-wise and, and put it all together in the NFL. We're just expecting him to know a font to take a step up this year. And honestly, it's not a huge step either. Like, this is 11 no. not that much for a tight no. end. No, and on a points-per-game basis, he was tied end 11 in 2020 and tied end 12 in 2021. He'll do the same thing this year at least. Yeah. He's a first-round tight end, went at the 120, and he's not even 25 I love yet. number 12 here. Tell me about number 12. Uh, number 12 is Irv Smith Jr. We really like him as sort of a... Uh, alternative threat when all eyes are on Justin Jefferson and maybe even KJ Osborne. Um, he's just, he's a great second to third option for Kirk cousins. I don't really see him being a disappointment. No, I, I, I mean, think he's he, a better, he's, I think he's a better target option than KJ Osborne for sure. And Jalen Rager, but, <laughs> but I think he's probably a better, he becomes, if he's healthy, a better option than Adam Thielen is for Kirk Cousins. I think think, think he'd be be favored more, especially with J.J. stretching the field there a little bit. All right. So Dawson Oss sucks. Let's let's get that out of the way. But uh, that was our top 12 projected finishes for each of the positions this year. Um, Like I said, don't read too much into them. We're just spitballing. We're going to be wrong on most of these, but it's just what we uh, put together when we sat down and did it. Let's get ready for some fantasy 
freaking football. And who are we going to start and sit week one? We've got quite a few submissions here from guys in our leagues with wanting some advice. Who do they start? Who do they sit in their leagues? Let's go through and do our weekly start sit for week one, the first one of the NFL season. All right. So our first one is Chase Edmonds or David Montgomery. Okay. Obviously, uh, the Dolphins playing the Patriots this week. Uh, the Patriots usually historically a fairly stout run game. Uh, obviously, with Tyreek Hill there, you know, and Jalen Waddle, I expect him to pass the ball in the, against the Patriots a little bit more. And David Montgomery playing the 49ers, also a decent run defense. Like, I mean, honestly, very good. Honestly, with this one, I think I'd be leaning to more towards the elite talent here, and I would be going with David Montgomery. Yeah, I'm with you there. I can't, I can't vote against Monty. Yeah, I, I would say Montgomery here. Uh, the second start sit. Well, let's do Elijah Mitchell and Elijah Morris. So this is a flex. Yes, uh, give me Elijah Mitchell. I think in, I think in these flex situations, you know, the running backs are always going to be, you know, they're going to be the safer place a lot of time unless unless you know. Although, who do the Jets play this week? I can't remember. Uh, the Jets play the Ravens. Just, yeah, eh, yeah, it's it's eh. I, I, and yeah. the Forty Nine ers playing, but the Forty Nine ers playing the Bears defense. Like, I seriously we're going to smash Elijah Mitchell on that, yeah. and and he just hope he gets in the end zone a couple times. You know, like I said, he's going to get the majority of the carries in San Francisco, especially to start the year. So we'll we'll lean him here on this one. All right, we're going to play three out of these five players. Okay, uh, Saquon Barkley, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, James Conner, and Keenan Allen. Barkley. Yep. Jones. Yep. Connor. Yep. That's it. So obviously, same thing there. Obviously, Keenan Allen. I think. <sighs> Honestly, his ceiling is about the same as the running backs, but the running backs have a higher floor. So yes, they do. And, and AJ Dillon has a higher floor than Aaron Jones. So we like Barkley, Jones, and Connor there. That's a pretty lethal three flex spots right there. Goodness sakes. Um, okay, for this next start sit, we have Michael Thomas, Robert Woods, Brandon Ayuk, or Tyler Lockett. I think we're starting one guy out of this. <sighs> yeah, when I saw this one, I oh, wait. You struggled. know what? This is a start. Oh no, no. Yeah, this is one guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is tough. I think I start Ayuk here. Really? Who would who would you go? Robert Woods? I was leaning Robert Woods. Robert Woods, just because we know who he is, we know about his team situation. Burks could take a few weeks to take off. I just He's the most I, experienced receiver there, and that's valid. we have no idea how Ayuk is going to do. With I just Lance. I wonder if Robert Woods will return to form right away coming off the end. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I Ayuk was probably going to be my second choice. Michael Thomas is another guy. I mean, we know we, what we Michael Thomas has been before, but Michael we need Thomas. to wait and see with him. And Lockett, obviously. Probably not going to be your favorite flex spot, but I do think I want. I do think I'm more so than you for sure that Lockett is a little bit underrated this season. I I do think that bald man can still do some. I think he's going to be shorted a lot, but I think you can't go wrong with Robert Woods or Ayuk there. That's who I I think at yeah. that point it's probably yeah. That toss it up. was definitely between those two. Uh, start sit Rashad Bateman, Brandon Cooks, or Elijah Moore. I'm going to start Brandon Cooks. I'm with you there. Yeah, Bateman I, and Emore are the. Two biggest question marks of those three. Yeah, you know I, what I Brandon Cooks, Cooks is. He's got you got a healthy Davis Mills, yeah. which isn't a lot, but he's going to get all the targets. Yeah, the fun thing, that, the funny thing that you may be noticing of all of our picks here so far on these start sits is we are going into week one, and week one there are so many outliers in week one. Remember, we saw like guys like the Packers just get obliterated against the Saints last year, and everyone thought the Packers were going to suck, and then <laughs> that that was laughable. Womp, womp. They thought Aaron um, Rodgers was throwing the games. <laughs> yeah, exactly, but. I really think that your best bets in the 
at the very start of the season are going to be your seasoned veterans, your ones that have the most experience, that don't need a bunch of time to kind of get warmed up to the game and things, which is why we're definitely never going to lean towards the rookies. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So this next one, so the next one kind of takes it into account, too, and that's, exactly. and that's Trey Lance and Joe Burrow. So you're going to go Burrow. I'm going to go Burrow. It's really tough for me because I like Trey Lance against the Chicago Bears defense. But it is his first. Or, well, it's not his first NFL start, but you know you consider it consider it the first yeah. start of his. Career. I really don't think they're going to ask him to do much, especially week one. So you think they run the ball a lot? I think they run the ball a lot. I think they do a lot of checkdowns to Debo. All right, Kittle here. Let's go there. Burrow. Let's make Lance prove it. I, yep. I'd say let's start Burrow there. Yep. Uh, Amari Cooper and Brandon Ayuk. I think you like Ayuk here. <laughs> but I, I kind of like Amari Cooper. I. Well, I know I was going to say I don't even know if I like Ayuk on this one. I think I like because Cooper. we just talked about how we're not loving Lance for this week. And, so, and Cooper's still. I mean, David Bell's not going to make an impact there early. Like, I mean, I would imagine if Jacoby's going to be throwing the ball to someone, it's going to be to Cooper. Amari. Yeah, I think I'd start Amari Cooper and hope he gets a touchdown or two. Yeah, Miles Sanders or Kenneth Gainwell. This is interesting. Miles Sanders until Gainwell proves it. I, I know so Sanders too. has been struggling uh, to stay healthy in training camp, but. He's still the number one back there until proven otherwise. Along the same lines, Damian Harris or Ramondre Stevenson? Damian Harris. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Thoughts? Thoughts? Yeah, because I because I leaned Ramondre on yeah, this one. Damian Harris outproduced, outproduced Ramondre last year. There were some games where Ramondre outproduced him. We're starting this year with the most experienced running back in Damian Harris, week one against the Dolphins. I have no problem picking Harris over Ramondre. I would lean Ramondre here, but I would I would say Harris is not a bad idea because let's let, let's wait and see how the snap percentage plays out and yes. how who gets the most third down work, et yep. cetera. So honestly, that's kind of a toss up. I think we'd lean a little bit differently on that one. So that's probably no help to you. Sorry, uh, Michael Thomas versus Tony Pollard. I think I'd take Pollard here until we know Michael Thomas is fully healthy. Yeah, and running back, Greg. I mean, Tony Pollard was fairly productive last year for a second stream running back. Yes, he was very productive. He he may have won some people some leagues. Yeah. Uh, all right, here we go. So the next one is start one running back and then flex one. So the running backs are Akers and ETN. So we're going to start one of those. Uh, I'm going to start ETN. What do you think? Uh, yes, I'll start ETN. And then we're going to flex one of Akers, Gabe Davis, Christian Kirk, or Elijah Moore. I think I'll flex Akers, don't you think? I mean, I'm one kind of flex the starting running back there over second option. Christian Kirk's a first option. Elijah Moore maybe tied for first. But they're receivers. So what do you think there? Right. I, I think there's an argument to be made to, to start Christian Kirk. I, yeah, I was going to say, I'm almost leaning Christian Kirk. I think at the end of the day, you're probably right, though. If these guys were on my roster and I'm like Christian Kirk or Cam Akers, I probably have start to go Akers just because of seeing seeing their playoff ball last year for the Rams. Like, they just... Akers did nothing, and they just kept giving him not the to, ball. Not to mention, so, they're playing the Bills, who... I mean, JT ran up the, the score against <laughs> You're last right. Year. Like, You're right. I mean, they, yeah, their, is, def, their run defense can fall apart. That is really absolutely quickly. valid. And the Jags, who do the Jags play? The Commies? The Jags uh, play yeah. the Commies. And I like I, ETN against that defense either, anyways. So I think that's no question. But yeah, yeah I yeah. think I think so. I think we'd lean Akers there. Um, and then the last one, starting Rondale Moore, Zay Jones, or Kadarius Tony. Tony. I think I'm starting Tony there. Yeah. I, I like Rondale Moore, you know. If he can prove it, but we got like see, a long term too. We, we got to see how we got to see how he fits there, and if he's anything. And Zay Jones, I think it was he wasn't in the picture for me. Yep, we do. All right, so the last thing we're gonna do before we get into week one of the NFL season is we're gonna do a segment at the end of each episode, and and 
whether it's interesting to you or not, we're doing it because the loser has to buy the other person dinner. But we are going to go through and do our game picks for this week. We're going to do this every week, and we're going to tell you who we think wins every game this week. So I'll start. Uh, I like the Bills over the Rams on opening night, and then I like the Colts over the Texans. Um, I'll take the Falcons over the Saints. I think that's kind of going to be an upset, but I think Mariota comes out strong and wins one of their only games this year in the first week. I'll take the 49ers uh, over the Bears. That's an easy pick. Steelers over Bengals. That's a juicy one. Yeah, I we'll see how that one plays out, but I'm just kind of going with my gut here. Um, I like the Lions over the Eagles, another juicy one. Uh, I like yes. the Dolphins over the Pats. I like the Ravens over the Jets. Bold. I know. <laughs> I like the Jags over the Commanders. Carson wins, man. I just can't. I like the Panthers over the Browns without Deshaun. I like the Titans. Um, who's the Titans play? The Giants. Yeah, I, I literally keep forgetting that. Uh, I like the <laughs> Titans over the Giants because it's the Giants. Uh, give me the Packers pretty much every week all the time over the um, Minnesota Vikings there. I'll take the Chiefs in the Chiefs-Cardinals game, which is probably going to be one of the better games in week one, but I'm just going to bet on Patrick Mahomes there. Um, I like the Chargers over the Raiders. I like the Buccaneers over the Cowboys, and then I like the Broncos over the Seattle Seahawks. I think Russ gets his revenge game. So, all right, give me your picks. Um, I'm taking the Super Bowl champs, the Rams over the Bills. Hard to see them losing their first home game of the season coming off of a Super Bowl win. Um, I've got the Colts over Houston. Really praying they win the season opener here for the first time since 2013. Um, I've got the Saints over the Falcons, Niners over the Bears, Bengals over the Steelers. I'm not betting uh, big on the Steelers there. Uh, Eagles over the Lions, Dolphins over the Pats, Ravens over the Jets, Jags over the Commies, Panthers over the Browns, a little grudge match there for Baker. We'll love to see it. Uh, look for DJ Moore to be a high producer this week as well. Uh, for I've got the Titans. Hate them, but can't bet against them against the freaking Giants. Uh, Packers, it's Aaron Rodgers taking them over the Vikings. No problem. I'll take the Cardinals over the Chiefs just because uh, yeah. Cardinals always start hot. Chiefs always start cold. I think that combination means Cardinals win. Uh, the Raiders also, you know, they usually start their seasons pretty well as well. And you, they also have like freaking Devontae Adams. So, uh, like what they've got there and I'll take them over the chargers week one Buccaneers. I gotta say over the Cowboys, they did it last year. Yeah. They're going to do it again. Uh, though the Cowboys will make it interesting and then they'll choke because of some Mike McCarthy, <laughs> stupid game management, decision. game management decision. <laughs> Uh, and then Broncos over Seahawks. Russ is going to go to Seattle and he's going to own them. Man, football's back. <laughs> Literally cannot wait. It's going to be fun. Uh, we're going to have it all here for you next week. We're going to recap week one. We're going to actually talk about who risers and fallers are. Um, I, I mean, this is when it actually counts. So we're not going to overreact to one week, but at the same time, some of the reactions are actually going to start to be justified, and that's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. Uh, obviously, we're still on YouTube, so be sure to subscribe there. We won't have any shorts out this week, but go back and watch some of our shorts from last week. Some pretty interesting stuff there, some pretty interesting content. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Domain Dynasty. Uh, and continue to look for some content coming out, including our rankings for this uh, upcoming month of the NFL season. We cannot wait to get things started. Enjoy your week of watching football. Thanks for listening. This has been Dynasty Domain.